When you use the UTalk app, you develop your speaking and listening skills in a new language from day one. And with more than 140 languages, they probably have just what you're looking for. How does it work? Play games, score points, and you'll be on your way in no time. Subscribe today to get access to all 2,500 words and phrases in your chosen language. Plus, save 20% on your next subscription by visiting uta.lk slash speaking tongues. Happy language learning! You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 71, Speaking French and Polish. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast and conversation with multilinguals. Today, I'm so happy to welcome Heather, the host of the Future is Bilingual podcast, for a conversation about her languages of French and Polish. In this episode, Heather and I talk about learning languages here in the U.S. and how many of us here have a disconnected relationship with the French language. Heather talks about how she became a Spanish and French teacher and what it was like teaching these languages in the same school year. We compare some grammar of Romance languages in this conversation since Heather is currently learning Italian and we talk about her journey with Polish on her own and with her family. And since Heather is also a mom, she talks to us about raising her children bilingual and shares some funny stories of her kids' adventures with mixing languages. Heather is currently working toward a PhD in education with a focus on societies, cultures, and languages, and I hope you'll all join me in wishing her luck in her studies. Links to the Futures Bilingual podcast can be found in the show notes of this episode. If you enjoy this episode of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts or like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now support the show on buymeacoffee.com. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Heather. How are you today, Heather? I'm doing very well. How are you, Elle? I'm fantastic. And I'm so happy to talk with you. So happy always to have a conversation with a fellow podcaster. Mm -hmm. And so happy to talk about your languages of French and Polish today. So thank you. And I'm so happy to be here yeah. be on the show because I love listening to all your episodes. So it's exciting <laughs> to be one of one of the interviewees. Yes, yes. I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? Okay. So my first language is English. I'm native English speaker. Uh I did grow up hearing two accents. My father's from South Africa. So I was aware of the world and other you know, ways of speaking. So he didn't have a very strong accent. He kind of lost it, but he still says like tomato bath bathroom. Um, so that was always a point of like discussion in our house and our friends would comment on his accent. But yeah, just native English speaker. Um, my parents do speak. My mom speaks Hebrew and my dad speaks Afrikaans. And I've always reproached them for not teaching us <laughs> those languages. <laughs> but no, just just English. Um, I did. My mom did speak a few words of Hebrew when I was little. And we learned how to read um, in Hebrew school for me, like attended for a year and then quit. Um, so a little bit of Hebrew, uh, just like little things like Laila Tov is good night. Uh, is like bon appetit. Um, and she would also say things in Spanish. My mom also speaks Spanish. So she would say like, like hasta mañana or like just little things. So I've always had this curiosity with languages just because they've always kind of been part of my life. It's never right. been English only. Like I've always known about other cultures, but the first language that I, I learned to speak fluently was French. And that's because I took it, you know, middle school, high school, um, didn't get really fluent until probably college and then living there. Uh, I've also studied Spanish, Polish, um, a little Korean, just because I had Korean friends in university. Uh, I did some Arabic at university in the U.S. and in France. Um, and then just with traveling, I did some Greek, uh, some Japanese, 
And I've now started Italian, which I know is one of your languages. So that's yes. my newest little baby language, which I love. Brava. <laughs> Grazie. That's really cool. And I love that. So you grew up in the US, right? Correct. New England. Mm-hmm. And I think that you tell me what your thoughts are on this, but I feel like a lot of us who grow up in the US, if we don't have um, exposure, if we don't have exposure to languages through our heritage and our parents, our grandparents, et cetera, we don't we, we don't really have any type of other exposure to language outside of school. And I, I don't think a lot of us really grow up with that curiosity about yeah. learning languages that aren't heard in our home or in our community. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think there's a lot of uh, big bubbles where it's only English. You'll only hear English spoken. Um, so different from like Europe where they hear English, you know, songs and there's movies like we don't have that. Everything we have is just America. It's all, <laughs> right. you know, we're, we're not like taking in news from around the world. We're not watching movies from other countries per se. So, you know, if you're not growing up in like a community that, you know, like, like you said, you have like a heritage language, like there's like a big, let's say Portuguese population or Spanish speaking population. I think it is very easy to grow up with English only. Right. Right. And I, and it's I, such a big country. It's, you know, I, I can't speak to the whole country, but I think, you know, we're, we're far from other countries unless, unless you're on a border town or, you know, close to Canada, but even then, uh, you know, so much of Canada's English speaking, you'd have to be like right near the Quebec border to really right feel the French influence. Right. And I, I say that all the time. Like I always think it's easier for people outside of an English speaking country to learn English because there is just so much information out there. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's in, you know, everything that gets consumed. And then for us, it's so hard to even find international news that doesn't involve war or poverty. (laughs) So agree. I so agree. And I hate starting my morning with that, which is, I have this like love hate relationship with the news because you wake up and I don't want to hear about death and war at 6am. Like I, (laughs) Right. But I but I want to know what's happening. So I'm like, uh, how do I yeah. balance? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. Like, where are the kitten up a tree stories in Brazil mm. <laughs> that we hear yeah. on the international news? Well, I think there's more internet stuff coming out that will do those like good news stories. And right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's hard to get international. I feel like maybe it's not hard. You just have to know, but it's very easy to ignore it. It's very easy to just live your little bubble. Yeah. Yeah, you you have to be dedicated to find, mm-hmm. you know, and or know people or yeah, have connections yeah. somewhere. Exactly. So in your community, and you're in this lovely language melting pot in your home with your family. Mm-hmm. Where where did you see representation of other languages outside of your home in your community or in, with your with your friends, your peers, etc. Mm-hmm. I I didn't really growing up. I didn't really think about it. Like I knew we were like the weird ones. Um, I mean, not weird ones. There were, there were obviously people like everybody has like, Oh, well I'm 75% Italian and 15% Irish, you know, whatever they, but like nobody would speak those languages. They were just like, Oh, my Nona, you know, came from (laughs) from Italy or whatever it is. But um, yeah, it wasn't, I don't know. It just wasn't really represented. I grew up in a very small white suburban town. Mm. Um, so there wasn't a lot of representation in general. <laughs> it's like very Irish, um, Irish, Italian, Catholic. That was kind of the majority of the people. Okay. So Which I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so we always felt like, oh, we're, you know, there's like a few minorities, like a few black kids, a few Asians. Like we were like, you know, we always joked like, oh, I'm African-American, but I'm not. I'm, my dad is uh, from British descent. So Right. It was kind of like a joke. Like, oh, can I say I'm African American? That's no. funny. That's funny. you know, as kids, you're out, kids. I think in America, we we talk a lot about that. Like, what percentage are you? Because mm-hmm. um, everybody is an immigrant, unless you're, you know, a First Nation. Um, and I just remember that being a topic where everybody kind of knew their percentages, and you know, they had a grandma from this, a grandpa, a grandfather from this country. Yeah, that's such a uniquely American thing. I think. Yeah. And it's it's weird. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a middle school. Like kids like to compare. Oh, I'm more Italian than you are. You know, (laughs) two of my grandparents come from there. And it's funny. I went to high school and 
there were a number of Irish American and Italian American students in mm-hmm. my in my school in my class, and none of them spoke Italian. Oh yeah, yeah. standard or you know the regional dialect language mm-hmm. that they're that they're from. There was one kid who because we went to we went on a class trip to Italy in a few years ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> Um, we went on a class trip. I mean, this is in the '90s, so we we went on a class trip to Italy, and mm-hmm. he this this uh, student was on the trip, and he was the only person who could converse in standard Italian mm-hmm. with you know local Italians. And I remember thinking, like, wow, like for all of the talk that we do about where mm-hmm. our family is from and where our heritage is from, like the language just never comes with it. And I, I just, yes. think it's. Yeah. My husband has his own version of that because he moved here when he was 14 from Poland and he moved to a very Polish town. There's a lot of Polish immigrants um, or just descendants. So there was a ton of people with Polish last names mm. and, you know, first names can sometimes be the same. Um, and he was like, Oh, great. Like everybody here is Polish and nobody could speak Polish. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and like, they were all like third generation or, you know, like they, they just lost Polish. So he would like see, you know, he would know their names and be like, oh, you have this last name and they couldn't speak Polish. So he found his small group of friends that we're still friends with who had also recently come over that still, you know, could speak Polish because they grew up there. Yeah. But yeah, it's very uncommon. You know, it's, it. I think it's gaining more popularity now. I know we're going to talk about raising bilingual and multilingual kids. And I think it's very it's very in right now. It's very popular. It's very, I don't know, or maybe that's just the circle that I'm in. So I'm seeing it. Um, (laughs) But even like, you know, I know that they talked about um, Kate and whatever his name, like how their daughter speaks Spanish because her nanny is Spanish and oh my God, she's bilingual. Like this was years ago when she was little. Um, But it was like, yeah, every immigrant child is also bilingual, (laughs) but nobody's (laughs) putting them on the cover of time and talking about it. So I think you know, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit more popular. So I hope in the future, when my kids are in school, maybe there will be more kids that also have a heritage language that have, you know, been right. raised in two languages so that they, or two or more. Um, just say, I, I hope that this is, that's, you know, the whole premise of my podcast was like, I know there's parents doing it, um, not in my friend group. So like, I wanted to reach out and find parents around the world that are doing this because it, we're kind of spread all around the world. (laughs) I have friends with kids, but none of them are speaking another language to them. So (laughs) it can be a little isolating. (laughs) That's what we have to do now. We have to find our tribe. Like, and the internet is wonderful. Exactly. It's so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I want to ask, so you, you started learning French when Mm -hmm. you were in school. Why French? (laughs) <laughs> French. Uh, so the options were Spanish or French. Okay. I have an older sister and I said, my mom speaks Spanish and my mom was a nurse and she would use Spanish often. Um, we have a big, uh, Spanish speaking population where I live. And she was like, you should do Spanish. I speak Spanish. Your sister took Spanish. And I was like, okay, it's French. <laughs> <laughs> this is 11 year old me. I was like, no, I'm going to do French. But it turns out like I felt deeply in love with French. It's still my favorite language of all the languages I've ever, you know, even looked at thinking, you know, I just, I love French. I love the way it sounds. Um, you know, there's many beautiful languages, even ones I don't understand, like Greek, I feel like is such a beautiful language. And yes. um, I just, I still, like, I still come back. French is like my, the language of my heart. I just love it. And now that I speak it fluently, you know, it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am, but I'm very happy that I, <laughs> that I uh, went against my mother's wishes and French. It's so funny. And I'm going to get to my next question, but I'm, I, I have to just say this. My mother also wanted me to learn Spanish and um, I never had at, at a young age, I, I guess, middle school, mm-hmm. I didn't even have an option for French, but I wanted to take French so badly from when I was in middle school. Wow. And my parents were like, don't waste your time. Oh, learn Spanish. I don't know if I told you this before, but <laughs> no, I, don't, I never remember who I tell this story to. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom really wanted me to learn Spanish because, you know, we were growing up in the Bronx and yep. 
there's a lot of Spanish speakers in the Bronx. And my mother just thought that it would be more useful. And I was not interested. Um, I didn't have a choice. At the end of the day, I did, I did have to take Spanish. That was all that was offered to us. But I was very defiant. In mm-hmm. <laughs> and that breaks my heart. So I am a French and Spanish teacher. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I was and then my daughter was born and I took time off. But uh, I would have parents come in for these, you know, parent teacher conferences. And they, the, um, I've had some students that were in Spanish with me, but their parents came in and said, oh yeah, she wanted to do French, but I told her it's useless. And they didn't know I also taught French. They just mm. knew me as their daughter's Spanish teacher. Right. And it just broke my heart. I was like, please don't tell me that. I only teach Spanish because they make me teach Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously I would never tell the parents that, you know, I was like, oh yes, of course, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Yeah, of course, Spanish is so much more useful. And it is. And yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends. It totally depends. I think personally, I'm very happy I learned French first. And I always tell students if they come to me uh, and they say like, oh, you know, I don't know which one to do. I always say take French first because you get the pronunciation, which is very hard. Mm. Uh, And then Spanish is an easier pronunciation because you just pronounce everything you see. So I always feel like students, if they're, you know, on the fence or they're interested in French, they should go with French first because yeah, it's just, it's, it's a much, I don't know, trickier pronunciation and the people who've done Spanish first, and then they try to go to French. They just like, they still get caught up in the, the extra letters and the silence, like all the silent letters. And yeah. I don't know. I just think it's good. Like when you're in middle school, like start with French, you know, your, your brain is still younger and you can. viable. <laughs> and I, I, well, and also I learned Spanish so much easier because I knew French and mm-hmm. I just don't, think it works as well the other way I feel like people who speak Spanish don't necessarily always learn French as easy I don't know why that is um or maybe it's just that like us French people have to learn Spanish you know a lot of the French teachers have to do some classes in Spanish Uh, I have a theory and it's probably total nonsense but well so is mine (laughs) (laughs) I have a theory I think because so I I had to take these couple years of Spanish in in middle school and then in high school I took four years of Latin and Mm. then when I got to college I took two years of Italian and I had no real classroom contact with uh, Spanish when you know in in a span of four or five years right Mm -hmm. but when I started taking my Italian class in college, I was using a Spanish pronunciation. Uh-huh. So my theory, which is complete garbage, is that I think because we are so exposed to Spanish everywhere in some way that I think it gets into our minds. And we're not exposed to French at all in yeah. this country. Um, I think it's very rare that we're exposed to French, like you said, unless you live close to a border of, mm-hmm. you know, a French speaking part of Canada. But I think that maybe, and this is why I don't really totally believe what I'm saying, because <laughs> I live in New York City and Spanish is by far and large the second language of New York City. So mm-hmm. I step out of my house, I get on the train, I hear Spanish, I see signs on the train in Spanish. I hear music that people are playing in Spanish. It's I go to certain neighborhoods and there are signs in Spanish. There are, mm-hmm. you know, it's everywhere. I don't see anything in French. So I think it's it's getting into my mind. I'm picking it up somewhere. And I think a lot of people are, maybe no matter where you live, because mm-hmm. there are Spanish speakers everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I think maybe that has part to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I personally, just now starting Italian, I found that Spanish will help me like my pronunciation, um, French with like vocab helps, but then I feel like, yeah, my pronunciation is more towards the Spanish way. Cause you need to do the R's and all that stuff. It's not the French, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love Italian. Can I just say how much I love Italian? Cause I know you also speak Italian. Yes. It is, it's just, it's so fascinating to me because I'm a French and Spanish speaker. It's like, they both are like helping me. They're like, combining their forces and I'm like oh I understand like almost this whole thing because I take a little from French and then I take a little from Spanish right it's just it's so cool it's just I don't know I don't know why I waited so darn long to start (laughs) Italian it's such a beautiful language it's 
do you think that it's easier than French and Spanish? Because I do. You do. Okay. So I am discovering that I feel like there's more grammar. I don't know, like the, all the combinations, how you can make uh, like to the, there's just more of them. Mm. So like, like in French, there's like, oh, like Allah becomes OU and then Allah doesn't change. But like, I saw the list. Um, I had this amazing book that was like comparing French, Spanish, and Italian. I don't know if there was another language, but it was comparing those three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just comparing the grammar of those three. And like the table that showed all the combinations for Italian, I was like, oh, whoa, this is a lot more than just like, than just French or Spanish. So I don't know. I mean, I'm still getting into the the grammar. I haven't really done all the tenses. Romance languages in general are like so tense heavy. Like, right. I, I know I just need to like study verbs, verbs, verbs. Like that's, that's my focus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I haven't, yeah, I haven't like delved into it as much as I want to, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so far I'm seeing things with like articles are kind of more complicated in Italian. Oh yeah. <laughs> good old articles. Good old <laughs> articles. I mean, it just seems more than French and Spanish, at mm-hmm. least for now. I almost started telling you about my woes with French, but we'd be here for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, I find I find that French articles are confusing. Like how do I explain this? So when you're trying to say like, I, I went to the store and I bought some eggs. Oh, the some. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's, like it's the ne in Italian. The N-E is just E-N in French. Yeah, the <laughs> partitive articles. So yeah. That's what they're called are like, make my head. I finally did figure out the difference and when to use the uh, l'imparfait and le passé mm-hmm. composé and Très I bien. practically threw a party because yeah. it was weeks that I just was not mm-hmm. getting it and I had yeah. a conversation with someone the other day and I realized oh shoot I used it correctly <laughs> yeah so the proud. light bulb goes off yeah yeah it's amazing and I think the Italian thing that has always tripped me up is the subjunctive Mm. and yeah they uh, use it more I've, I've right. noticed that they use it a lot more than French and Spanish so French is the easiest because most of the subjunctive doesn't even change right you, you only really have to know the irregular Spanish is hard because they all change mm-hmm. um pretty much but like a lot of the French you don't even hear that it's subjunctive because yeah if it's just a regular verb you're like okay it sounds exactly the same and I love that about French I love right. that you know even even though there's different endings, so there's different, like even just present tense, there's different letters added on, but you don't hear them. Mm-hmm. So like je parle, tu parles, il parle, um, like the plural e, like you don't hear all the extra letters. Right. So like speaking French is very easy and French kids have to do a lot of studying to learn all the silent letters because they don't hear them. <laughs> so like when you like are teaching like very little kids in primary school, there's so many uh, like activities that they have to do for different spellings so mm-hmm. like um like the est for he is il a versus a being and et right. like right. they mess those things up so much because they sound exactly the same but it makes speaking very easy so if you're not worried about writing you mm-hmm. could learn to speak french pretty easily because there's not as many changes i feel like spanish and italian have so many changes and you have to hear them you know there's there's even more because like the italian does the the feminine, the singular, the plural, like they're all the same. Whereas in French, it's just like lay, like you just add, like <laughs> you make it plural and like you just, it's fine. Like you don't even hear any of the, the plural endings. Like it's just, it's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, une pomme, les pommes. They sound, pomme sounds exactly the same in that case. Like one apple, many apple, it doesn't matter. Um, David Sedaris, I don't know if you know that author. I love David Sedaris. Yes. Okay. So he has a whole thing about learning French in one of his books. And he was like, because he lived in France um, with a boyfriend for some time. And he was like, I was going to the market and I didn't know if it was un or une. You know, I could never get these genders. So I just ordered two of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is brilliant. Like, yes, because friend, you don't have to know, you know, once you say plural, it just becomes lay. There's only one plural, not like los, las. You still need to know it in Spanish. I am picking up that trick from yes David Sedaris I that's not my trick but he's he's like yeah so he came home from the market and his boyfriend was like why did you get so much food he's like I had to order two of everything (laughs) oh man 
Oh, yeah. How was your experience like learning French as an American? Um, mm. I think that I asked this question because I think that in the U.S. we have a very Parisian centric view of the French language. Um, and I, I think that in the States, there's a level of prestige that people put upon the French language like oh it's mm -hmm. fancy it's like you know ooh la la you're yep. <laughs> exactly you know? um what was that uh what was that like and I guess compared to the other languages that other languages that you speak or that you're learning like mm -hmm. how how was that viewed I guess yeah that is an interesting question and I really like that you ask it because you're so right there is this whole la la français um and even as a teacher you know other teachers would always come in like span you know other teachers spanish science like anybody they would come in and be like oh français baguettes and they would you know there's just like this whole yeah stereotype um but i do i do find people respect french but like they don't want to learn it they're like oh it's so beautiful oh i love paris but yeah like no, nobody like they still won't have their kids sign up for French, you know, they'll sign their kid up for Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was working in a very affluent town and we had a good French program, but we still had 75% of the kids taking Spanish. <laughs> so, you know, classes, we'd have like one section of this class and Spanish would have like five sections of the same level. Um, so it is, it's, it's like a catch 22. Like we love it, but we like are afraid of it. And then we also have this whole idea that French are rude and, um, you know, Parisians are just terrible people and they're a snub and <laughs> that whole like stuck up French mentality. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, like, compared to other languages, I mean, people will often ask if they hear me speaking Polish, like, oh, what language is that? Um, oh, is it Russian? No, it's Polish. But, you know, I've always, people have always been very nice. Like no one's ever said anything derogatory or rude or anything. So. Mm -hmm. But I think if I were speaking French, they would be like, oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, you know, French is a wonderful language, a beautiful language. You know, I usually it just ends with like, it's Polish. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's the end of the conversation. So yeah, I don't know. I'd have to see, maybe I need to start speaking French out more often with my kids and see if people, now that we can go to parks and, and things. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you say like people seem to have hold it in regard, but they, they don't they don't want to engage with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that the United States has a really long history with France and, and French culture. Mm -hmm. And I asked this question also because I've become so much more aware. I think since I've fully stepped into this language learning space, I've become so much more aware of my own biases and my own, like, mm -hmm. oh, I love Paris. It's amazing. It's, I can't wait to visit again. And then realizing, but wait, there's how many Francophone countries in Africa? Oh, there's so many. How yeah. many in the Caribbean? We have a whole Canada to the north. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I try to be more aware of and engage more with people who speak French outside of Paris, outside mm -hmm. of France, and just try to understand because... I feel like people from those countries are not getting that same put on a pedestal um, as yeah. people from France do. So it's it's just something that I I I think about a lot as as someone who's learning to express herself better in the French language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hundred percent agree that yeah we're not uh, as enamored with like oh you're from. I don't know, the, the Congo or you're from, you know, right. uh, Senegal, like people aren't like, Oh, Senegal. Wow. Like it, there's just not that. And it, even with, it's only really Paris. Like, it's not even like if someone says like, Oh, I'm from Dijon, not like, Oh, <laughs> Dijon, like, you know, right. it's really Paris focused, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, even with Montreal, people aren't like, Ooh, Montreal. It, <laughs> it's too bad, you know, cause there's amazing places that speak French and it's so Paris focused. It's like we're zoomed in so close that we're missing the forest for the trees. Right. Exactly. But the books are getting better. I can say that, um, you know, back when I was studying, it was all France, France and every, you need to know every city in France, but now the books are much more 
you know, for teaching, they're much more like, let's learn about different countries. Let's look a little bit at Haiti. Let's look a little bit at, you know, this country. Um, so that's good. They're doing like every chapter now has like a different country rather than just a different city of France. That's great. That's great <laughs> yeah, to hear. They're getting better. Yes, they are. <laughs> things are changing. But again, we're only we're only targeting the people that are learning French and they're interested in that. And the rest of the world that doesn't speak French is still probably focused on, on Paris. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So how did you get into teaching? Ah, uh, it's a good question. Um, I've always liked tutoring and helping people. So I was doing that before, uh, officially like studying education, but yeah, I've pretty much always known it hasn't really been a, a question for me mm-hmm. um I just had like my first year of college I was undecided and I had to take a oh what did I do no I, I actually chose education and then for education they wanted you to be like proficient in everything as if you were going to teach elementary school you weren't specialized um okay. and I had to take take a I took a political science class and almost failed it and then I was like okay, I'm going to major in French. Like I know what I want to study. And then I switched over to French, but then I did eventually, you know, with the French degree, I became a French teacher, mm-hmm. um, added in Spanish because people here want French and Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, because there's not as many French classes. And then, and then I did, um, you know, I loved it once I was doing it. I said, okay, now I want to get a master's of teaching. Um, so that was the second degree was more focused on actual like pedagogy. Versus mm-hmm. just like French literature. <laughs> I don't actually use that much when I'm teaching. So yeah, it was much more focused on like the how, um, like actual interaction with students, the relationships, all that kind of good stuff, what which I miss like- so much. <laughs> <laughs> what What is it like teaching young learners in the classroom? It's amazing. I love students. I miss them so much. Um, they're just, I I find that the students, so I taught both and the students that took French, they really wanted to be there. It was like, they actually, you know, were, were passionate about it. Whereas a lot of students, not all of them, obviously, but students who took Spanish, some of them were just there because they had to be. And it was just like, let's get this, you know, class out of the way. Um, so I found my French students were always a little bit more motivated. And I don't know, I don't know if that's just because they chose a language that wasn't like the default mm-hmm. or what but I had an, I just had amazing students. I can't speak highly enough of my old school and the students there, if anyone of them is listening, I miss you guys. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm still in contact with many of them. You know, we had taken trips to France with them and one of them was my first podcast guest. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just, they, they're very dedicated and you just like you build a rapport. So I was in high school, um, but I would have a lot of freshmen. And mm-hmm. so they're like new to the school. And I'm also, you know, a young teacher. I look like I'm 18. <laughs> so that doesn't help. Um, but I feel like that, that made them feel comfortable. Um, right. And just always like, you know, letting them know, like, it's not just about the content. Like it's, it's about building a relationship with students and a trust and like having fun. Like I always wanted to, I would always have like music playing when they came in and like, we would sometimes listen to songs and like try and find the words. Like I'd have these little fill in the blanks, like making it fun. Like it's not, it's not these like boring tables we need to memorize. Like we're trying to understand this culture and like watching videos and making it, you know, enjoyable. And I really, I've been out of the classroom for two and a half years. So you can hear how much I like, I miss it. (laughs) And I was teaching online for like part-time for a time. And I just, it's not the same. I was like, I don't want to do the correcting. I want to be with the students. You know, it's not at all the same. So yeah. how did your time as a language learner in, influence or impact your time as a language teacher? Mm. Okay. So this is kind of funny. I, I had a colleague at the, the job that I was at, that I was talking about my high school that I love. The colleague was my French teacher. So I was in a town, one town over from where I grew up. And that teacher had worked in the school. I was at as a high school student. She was my French teacher and now she became my colleague. So that was kind of funny. I, you know, she was <laughs> Madame to me and then she became her first name. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, when I was a, a student, she was such a fun teacher. Like she had us do TPRS. I don't know if you know what that is. It's total physical response storytelling. So mm-hmm. it's teaching a language. You're standing up, you're doing body movements and you're doing like a motion that will help you remember the word. 
So that's how you would do vocab. It was very physical. And then we would write stories. We'd like work in groups and do skits and we would like perform. So we would use the language and we'd be writing it and performing it. Um, And we did lots of songs and it was just, it was this thing that happened in the nineties where they were doing this TPR or TPRS. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, you know, they would read, if she read a story, we would have to do like the movements or the gestures when she said, like if she kept repeating a word, like we'd have to do it, um, whatever the gesture was. So there was like a gesture to each word. Mm-hmm. Not every single, not every single word, right. um, just like the, the core vocab of that chapter or whatever. So that was really, I just, I don't know. I, I fell in love with French because it was such a fun class and we, we just enjoyed ourselves. Like we weren't sitting, taking notes all the time and studying grammar. Um, but that being said, I failed the AP exam because, <laughs> <laughs> because we didn't really focus on grammar. And back, the the AP exam has changed. So if people don't know what AP is, it's the advanced placement. And it's basically worth a college credit if you pass the exam at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I've gone from failing my own AP test to teaching AP, um, but the exam has changed. So when when it was in, well, actually I shouldn't say 90s. I was in high school in the 2000s. It was all grammar. It was like grammar vocab. It was kind of like an SAT, like very dry um, and now it's more culture-based. So there's these five, oh, it's been a while since I've thought about this, but it's like, <laughs> it's much more culture-based and they have to do um, a dialogue. There's like a set dialogue and you have to answer the questions and they have to present for two minutes on a topic. Mm-hmm. Um, they have listening, like multiple choice. I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's very different and it's much more fun. Like the way that like you teach the class is much better. I've spoken with my colleagues who used to teach it the old way and now teach it the new way. Um, so like I said, very good progress has come like in the way of teaching foreign languages, at least in the US. So I'm glad I'm a teacher now and not yeah. back then. But yeah, as a student, it was like, oh, I failed. this. <laughs> I still became a French teacher though, which is, you know, to prove that it, it doesn't matter what, what grade you get. It doesn't matter what happens to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always move on from that. You can always continue and you know, I loved French so much. I didn't let that stop me. Like, oh, okay, I failed a French test. I'm just going to stop speaking French. I was like, no, I love French. Like, I want to go to France. I want to study abroad. You know, I ended up living there. Like, I still was pursuing French because I loved it. Right. I want to talk about Polish. Yes, let's switch. Okay. Because <laughs> I could talk about French all day. But <laughs> and I, I, would definitely, I would definitely let you. But mm-hmm. we're also talking about Polish in this episode. So I know that your husband is Polish and your husband obviously speaks Polish. Um, Mm -hmm. When did you decide that you wanted to learn Polish and how has that experience been? Mm -hmm. So I decided immediately. I was like, I think that (laughs) that night, I think he was teaching me some Polish words. Uh, So I actually had just come back from a trip to Belgium the first time I ever went abroad by myself and I did volunteer work and there just happened. It was a group of international people coming together to like do some volunteer work. And there was a Polish girl who I'm still friends with now. And she had taught me just two words. Um, I don't know how we got started talking about it, but she was like, I'll teach you two words in Polish, which was małe, duże, small and big. And we were just working in the garden. I don't know. We had like different size buckets. Mm-hmm. So the night I met my husband, I was like, I don't know any Polish, but I just learned these two words. Cause I had like just come back from this trip. Um, and I'm pretty sure he said he was teaching me words. Um, so yeah, from the get-go, I was like, I want to learn this language. I like languages. Um, so yeah, I, and I went, I was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to the library at my university, the University of Vermont. And I was like, okay, let me see what Polish books they have. <laughs> and <laughs> there was not many. Uh, and it was like a grammar book from the 1960s. So I was like, okay, let me look at this. And I'm, you know, flipping through and there's just like all these tables of, you know, grammar stuff like Polish has cases. So mm. words change depending on how they're used, like Latin. Um, so I'm like looking at all these tables, <laughs> all these <laughs> cases. And I'm like, these mean nothing to me because I don't speak the language yet. Like, I don't know what the difference is between like chi, chat, tobo. Like it, it doesn't make any difference to me. So now as a person who speaks it and I, you know, if I go back and look at tables, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense because I already use the language, but I really, I went in a very natural way. Like I just listened to him. He would translate songs, uh, would speak with his family. 
I just started like speaking like very small phrases and, you know, they were all very encouraging. We'd go to parties, all his friends were Polish. So like I'd hear a lot and, you know, just like very slow and like natural. And Mm -hmm. then I went back to grammar and I was like, oh, like I was learning like chunks because with a language with cases, I think you really need to do chunks. Like Mm -hmm. here's a set phrase. So for example, um, one of the most like, you know, famous things people always say is like, I love you. So that's koham che or koham chebye. There's two options, but koham che is the most common. Um, but if I say I'm going with you, so again, same word, you, you, uh, that would be ide stobo. So there's the word tobo. Um, and you just have to like do it in context because if you just look at a table and you're like che tobo, like what are these two words? Like they both mean you, but that makes no sense in my brain if I don't know how to use them, Right. you know? Right. So I was just picking things up in context. Like I would just learn uh, like a whole phrase rather than, it's it's not a language you can really do like a vote, like um, flashcards, <laughs> unless you're doing a, an entire sentence or something because you need context. Everything changes depending on the context. And yeah, it's not, yeah. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of like the natural method anyway. Like I don't mm-hmm. really like flashcards personally. It's fine if it works for other people. Um, but I just want to, I want to hear it a lot and then like start to use it little by little and just get, you know, more confident as I go. I'm also very outgoing, so I don't care if I make <laughs> mistakes, you know, there, it, everybody has their own personal like personality and uh, personal way of wanting to do things. So that's just right. the one that works for me is like lots of input, you know, I listen to things on my own. I listen to so many like podcasts and things on my own um, time so that I'm like ready to speak when I have a chance to speak with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's the same thing I'm doing with Italian now. Like now I know how to study languages. Like, so I'm like, okay, lots and lots of input and then like speak a little bit when I can. But, um, you know, other people aren't maybe confident or ready to speak right away. So everybody right. has their style. How long do you think that it was with Polish? Um until you started to feel comfortable, confident, well, maybe mm. you had confidence all along, but <laughs> <laughs> no, until, how long was it until you started to feel like, you know, you're, you're thinking and expressing yourself independently and you're, you're not doubting yourself and what you want to say. Yeah. Okay. So that's two different things. Cause confidence, I mean, I did a first, my first interview in Polish and I was still not confident and that was just a few months ago, (laughs) but I've been speaking like, you know, if it's not like a recorded interview, um, I don't know. I need my best friend, Molly, who is my timekeeper of all of my memories. She (laughs) she knows my whole life in detail. Um, Let's see. It was probably a few years. I was also not focusing on it. So that's another difference is I've been studying this language so long, but it's not intense. It's not like the people that are like, I'm going to learn Spanish in a year. And they go at it really intensely. Like, I was just like picking it up as I went. I was doing my whole undergrad degree. Then I went to France and then like, I was just kind of like still doing my whole, like I was still focused on French a lot at that time. Mm -hmm. I was also learning Korean Arabic on my, like, I was just like, I had these little side projects. So (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Um, That's a really good question. I don't know exactly when the moment was because I wasn't paying attention to like, I guess also, it's been a while though, because I would always like speak to my then boyfriend on the phone and say things in Polish. And they were, everyone was always like, wow, like you speak Polish. Oh my God. And I was like, yeah, but you don't realize we say the same five things to each other when he calls like, (laughs) Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay. I'm just doing this. Okay. Yeah. Call me later. Like have a good night. It's just (laughs) like, it sounds very fluid. And I'm like, yeah, cause I've said that like 17,000 times. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know when the exact moment is, but yeah. Oh, okay. It's a process. I, it is, it is a process. So you, where are you now with Polish? Are you, you can have conversations, you can, you know, get yeah, around town definitely. in, in Poland and that's great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And speaking it for the past four years with my kids has greatly improved just, I don't know, everything like confidence and just thinking in it. Um, because, you know, he was a baby. So it was like, I could take it kind of slow. And then as he's getting older now, we're using it more and more, but just my, my vocabulary, I've had to look up so many words. Um, but yeah, I, it's a tricky question because I've never taken a test. Well, 
it's, it's kind of a lie. I took part of an online test to see if I was like, I didn't know if I was B1, B2. Um, so yeah, I think I'm somewhere in like B2. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I, I, I feel very fluent though when I speak, mm-hmm. but there's definitely lots of vocab that I don't, I don't know. Uh, I can still like mess up endings and get, you know, cases wrong and things like that. So it's hard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Confidence is the most important, right? Like just being yeah. able it, and it depends what situations you've been in. I've been in a lot of family friend situations. So like, I'm very confident with that. We saw friends yesterday and um, there, one of my friends had his parents there and you don't, I don't usually speak to them, but I was like, yeah, it was fine. Like we, I was speaking to his father, no problem, joking, laughing. Um, I think joking is like getting you into like the sea level, right? Like <laughs> if you yes. can understand jokes, like that's pretty advanced. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were talking about um, these like cabaret things that they they have in Poland where there's like stand up. It's basically stand up comedy, but or sketches. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun, but that is yeah, it's a whole nother level of like being able to. It's fast, you know, like that kind of stuff. You have to mm-hmm. really right. be able to understand and then get the joke. Sometimes like I've understood the words, but I'm like, wait, I didn't get the joke. <laughs> and also humor. Humor is so different from like culture to culture. It is. I've. I've like forgotten how much it is um, because I'm so like used to my husband and his, you know, the, the, the way that they joke. But like when I see like him with around my American friends and like, he'll say something and I'm like, oh yeah, that is kind of like a weird joke to them. Like that's not like something they're used to hearing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. So you mentioned that you are the mother of two Mm -hmm. and you have a multilingual household. I would love to know what, you think and you don't have to give me a thesis okay okay because <laughs> I know that this is probably pretty controversial but um I would love to know you know you're raising your kids multilingual and I know that some schools offer bilingual education um mm-hmm. I don't know all of the the good and bad of it but um do you think that there is any type of impact um, or what do you think the impacts mm. are on kids who are edu- who are um, growing up bilingual and maybe having a bilingual education and mm. impact for for better or for worse? Okay, well, I'm very much an advocate, and I'm. <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to play devil's advocate here and speak to the other side of negative because I'm I'm so pro bilingualism. It's hard to it's it's hard to even see why someone. I mean. Basically, all the reasons that people say you shouldn't do it are myths. They're based on some sort of old school myth or misconception, like that stu- um, students, that children will speak later. For instance, both my kids had like 20 words at 14 months. They did not speak later at all. Um, and they had words in both English and Polish. Uh, I don't know. It, a lot of the negative things are not true. Um, and there's been studies to prove that. And there's a lot more studies coming out. That's like a hot topic right now. Um, at least in the field of bilingualism and multilingualism. So it's, yeah, it's very hard for me to even see a negative. I feel like there's only positive, you know, you're opening their eyes to other cultures. Um, Kids, they have more sensitivity with their ears because they're in from zero to six, they're in a very language focused, just a language focused period of their life because that's when they're acquiring their first language. So like their ears and everything, they're just, they're able to to kind of play with sounds more. Um, It doesn't get as like, set when you know after you after you're six and 12 you know there's all these little stages but I just I only see the positives it's very hard for me <laughs> to even be negative <laughs> and there's all sorts of studies with like the brain plasticity um, that bilingual children they're better able to like see someone else's perspective they're more empathetic because they're used to kind of translating and seeing things different ways and like knowing that there's more than one way to do things correctly. You know, there's more than one word for dog. You could say chien, perro, <laughs> you can say also like they're, they're just more like flexible and open-minded um, and not as like black and white with things. Um, I, I mean, I only see positives. You can learn another language easier. Do you think that, <laughs> do you think that views surrounding bilingual education are changing because the way that we're educating our children is changing? Mm, I hope. I mean, there's 
I don't know if I'm just more aware of it because I wasn't a parent before, but there are, there's lots of bilingual schools, or not, you know, not so many in smaller towns, but you can find them. Um, and you can also find just supplemental classes. You know, if there's not an option at your school, you could do like a Saturday school or an after school program, mm-hmm. especially with Spanish. There's so much English Spanish, um, at least where I live. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I, I'm hoping things are changing. I'm hoping that bilingualism is getting more accepted that a lot of the the misconceptions are kind of going away um because parents they used to think it was going to harm them you know back when a lot of our parents or like when grandparents were were new immigrants the the parents were told to only speak english to them and that's how all the family languages got lost and that was such a common phenomenon um and, you know, people would say, oh, my grandfather spoke the language, but he never taught my parent, you know, my mom, my dad, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm hoping that we're dispelling those myths because, hello, people are bilingual all over the world. You don't need to pick one or the other. You know, parents can speak their home language and then the school can speak English. You know, the, the community, there's just, there's so much. I don't think we need to worry about kids learning English in the U.S. <laughs> um <laughs> And that, that was just a huge misconception. And it's unfortunately still propagated. There's still doctors saying, no, no, you, you need to speak English. Um, your child's going to be lost when they go to school or, you know, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, in a way, I see that there is a point, and I'm doing this with my own children, where I've been exposing them to French for the past seven, eight months in preparation to move to Quebec because I don't want them to be completely lost. Um, I think that is a scary situation. Yeah. I think that they should know how to say some basics. Um, I need to use the bathroom. You know, I would like some water help. Uh, just like there should be, you know, they shouldn't have zero exposure. Like, Oh, school will take care of English. Like my five-year-old knows no English. No, they should probably know greetings, you know, talking about how they're feeling um, just some safety stuff. I think that that is, is important, which is why I'm also a French teacher. So I would feel so guilty if I didn't teach my own kids a little bit of French before they got thrown into a school system, Mm -hmm. um, in French. But I just, uh, yeah, I think, I think we don't give kids as much credit. We think language learning is so hard. Um, don't put this burden on children. Like we don't want to, you know, make them work too hard or something like we have this, these weird ideas, but like, no, like kids, they can thrive in it. They, my own kids with the three languages, they play with the different languages. Like mm-hmm. they, they'll, um, when my son doesn't know a word in French because their French is very limited, he'll just like, <laughs> he takes the ending off Polish word. So he's noticed my daughter's name is Isabella. Mm-hmm. And when I speak to them in French, I change their name. So I'll say Isabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, they kind of know like, okay, now mom's speaking French or, um, you know, they'll hear like the way I'm pronouncing things. And so when he doesn't know the, the French word, he'll say like, oh, like one of them he said was, um, say mokr, because the word mokre in Polish means wet. And he didn't know how to say wet. So he just said, say it is. Um, and he does it often with the color blue for some reason. I don't know why. So blue is nibieski. Mm-hmm. And he loves, it's like a joke now. He'll say like, say nibiesk, but like, he'll just take the, the ending off to like make it French and he'll, He'll make the French, like he'll say it in a French accent, like, Nibiesque. <laughs> he tries to like, I don't know. It's very cute. That's adorable. But they play like they're, you know, like they think it's funny and like they'll, um, I don't know. And their French is very limited. Their English is much better, mm-hmm. thankfully. Uh, but yeah, they'll still like, they'll play. Like he, he rolls his R's, which he's only four. He's been rolling his R's for like a year. I don't know why. He just likes to do it. <laughs> so he'll be like, Robert, which is a bike. But like, he like really plays with it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, So I think we just don't give kids enough credit. And like, we have our own misconceptions and tasks with with learning languages. Most of us, you know, everybody I meet, they're like, oh, I took 20 years of French. Oh, I took French in high school 50 years ago. I don't remember anything. And like Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, that I meet tells me something that, you know, I, I failed. I didn't succeed. Um, so wonderful you're raising your kids like you know it's just it's very common that people think it's like this magical thing like this fluency is this unattainable unicorn that we're never going to reach or something but only kids have access to it if you start them young there's also that misconception like no my son is starting French he started it when he was like three and a half and I'm I'm sure after four years of living in Quebec he'll be fluent in French Mm -hmm. Um, so I just think yeah we have a lot of misconceptions about 
about languages. I love those stories of your 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 kids playing between your son between mm-hmm. Polish and taking the ending off and like yeah. he's already knowing that this is a um a language with cases. So mm-hmm. like it's just you know their minds work in so many ways that ours have forgotten to mm-hmm. work and we just sometimes need to get out of their way and let them yes. do what they need to do just um, another anecdote with my daughter so she had like almost no english because the pandemic was happening and we hadn't seen family and my mom was like she doesn't speak english she i don't understand her and you know you can get a lot of negative um feedback from people very close to you you know my own mother um, and you just have to keep going. Like, I feel like so many people would be like, oh, okay, like I'll speak English to her. Um, but we just were like, no, she needs to know Polish because she's not going to get any exposure to Polish if we don't do it at home. And now my daughter, she's two and a half, you know, things have opened up. My mom is able to visit and she was visiting more often. My daughter is like crazy. Like her English is so good. She'll hear something once and remember it where, oh. and her, like she gets the word order correctly. So my son, he's still translates like word for word from Polish. So I have some examples. He says, um, what this is, because in Polish, soto jest is literally what this is. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and he still does it. And I'm like, we're, we keep saying to him like, oh, what's this? What's this? And you know, my daughter, if she even did it once, I don't even know if she did it once, but she always says it correctly. Um, so it's just, it's funny. Like, you know, my mom was so worried, like she's not going to speak English. The first couple of times she would, you know, saw her after quarantine, but like she does, she speaks like really good English. And I don't know if it's, she's younger, she's just picking it up quicker or what, or, you know, they, sometimes they say girls are more advanced with language, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of theories, but I just think it's, yeah, like it's on the same page where kids are just amazing. Like if you, if you expose them to things, you know, you don't have to be a speaker yourself. You can get outside help. You can get a tutor, you can do classes somewhere else, but um, even just li- like listening to songs, my son, when I first started speaking French to them, was not interested. Um, he was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, he was like, nye, nye, nye. like no, no, no. <laughs> um, and so I kind of backed off. Um, and then we just did songs. We would just listen to songs because, you know, they're like, oh, okay, this is just a nice song. You know, they're kind of listening to the melody. Um, and, you know, I was teaching them like some basic stuff I was also teaching French and Spanish online so they would see me doing these repetitive songs like head shoulders knees and toes blah 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 mm-hmm. um but like now like then I, I retried again in December of last year and they were more into it so like we were doing the colors like we were just I would just speak to them like now I just have two days a week where I speak to them during the day it's like you just talk to them like they understand now when I'm like are you hungry you want to go outside like they it's such a it's the words we use every day. So now they're just like, oh yeah, okay. Like, like they might not be able to say back to me more than like we, but like mm. they understand. Yeah. So like, that's what start. I want. I want them to, exactly. I want them to at least understand if their teachers are speaking to them and they'll get there. So I know that your podcast is, well, everybody should know. Your podcast well, is titled The Future is Bilingual. Mm-hmm. What does bilingualism and the title of polyglot mean to you? And how do you think that we as a society or maybe as Americans in the U.S., people mm-hmm. living in the U.S., how do you think we can work toward a bilingual future? Mm. Yeah, so I picked that title. It was I started it like in the end of 2019 and there was still that phrase like the future is female. And I had just had a daughter and I was like, okay, um, I, you know, I like that. It's catchy. The future is bilingual. Um, so it just seemed to work because my podcast, I, my idea was to interview parents and talk about raising bilingual kids because I'm kind you know, I'm new at this. My kids were young when I started it. And I was like, I want to talk to people who have older kids and see what they, you know, mm-hmm. what struggles they face and how they can help me kind of learn from others. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of morphed. I do other things on it now, but um, yeah, bilingual, I mean, I would say I identify very much as a bilingual now as a multilingual. Um, I also identify as polyglot, but I find that that word, I don't know, maybe it's just this online social media community. It's more like polyglot is almost used more by people who love languages, who are like passionate about language learning mm. and multilingual is like, that was my life circumstance. Like I grew up in Switzerland. I'm multilingual. 
but maybe not necessarily a polyglot. Like I feel like polyglot carries this extra meaning, but maybe this is just my own interpretation. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people who use polyglot, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm part of this community of very passionate language learners. I don't know. Do you see that? Yeah, no, I understand. Um, and I hope my kids at least, I don't, I don't really care what term they decide to use, but I hope that they'll at least like recognize this gift because this was a gift that I wish I had had, as I had said earlier, that my parents were both bilingual and didn't teach us the languages for their own reasons. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like this is a gift. This is, you know, we've given you this gift of multiple languages and I hope that they just at least continue to use them in the future. If, if the opportunity presents itself. Tell us where we can find your show and where we can listen to it and Mm -hmm. how we can find you on social media. Okay. So um, the podcast is on all major platforms. So if you search the future is bilingual, it should pop up. Uh, It's like a blue and purple picture. (laughs) Um, The same title for, I have the same handle on Instagram, the future is bilingual. So you can find me there. Um, And my podcast is on a hiatus for a little bit just because it's summer and we're moving as I alluded to. Um, But there's plenty of episodes to listen to. So perfect. Feel free to check me out there. Yeah. I will add links to your platform in the show notes and for people who are going to look for you, they can just click and find you right away. (laughs) Perfect. Make it easy. I have one more question for you, but I just want to say thank you so much for having this easy flowing, fun conversation (laughs) with me about your languages and about bilingualism and raising your kids. And I've had so much fun talking with you. It has been such a pleasure. I could do this every day, (laughs) which is why I made a podcast myself. So I could just sit every day and talk to people about languages. Yeah. It's, it's really wonderful to hear so many different stories. And Mm -hmm. I know you, you know, you know, the same, it's just, it's like, there's so many people out there and everyone has something to talk about. Exactly. And everybody's story is different. It's just so fascinating. That's why I love your podcast. (laughs) I think that's the joy of the podcast that we do is like, Mm -hmm. even if you have someone who has a similar story, it's never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's just always going to be something to shine a light on. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm a fan of your podcast as well. So please come back. Don't stay on hiatus too long. I won't. I've, <laughs> I've got things lined up. I'm just not as prepared as you. <laughs> so I like to end each episode with the same question. And that is, do you have any jokes, tongue twisters, cool slang words, idioms, words of wisdom, or words of advice in French or in Polish to share? Goodness. Okay. So I'm terrible at jokes. So I will not make anyone suffer through me forgetting the punchline. <laughs> Tongue twisters, I will only do when it's not being recorded. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. So, so um, I do have a very easy Polish word. I want to do Polish just because I feel like French is, is easier to find. You're going to have many guests who do French. Um, so I'll do some Polish. So a very easy Polish slang word. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoko. Spoko. Spoko means cool. Oh. Or like it's, it's all good. Like, yeah, that's good. Spoko. Okay. Um, very easy. And another one is uh, Shema, Shema, which is like, hey, what's up? Like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, I like that. What context would you use both like, of those words in? Uh, so right when you like see a friend, you'd be like, they say, hey. Um, so you could be like, hey, Shema. <laughs> okay. So it's just like, hey, what's up? And then Spoko, you can use like, if someone tells you like, oh, I'm running late. Like, I'll be there in five minutes. Like, Spoko, like, it's fine. Or like, oh, this is really cool. Like, ah, the spoko. Like, ala is but. But like, they use it in a emphatic way. Mm-hmm. Ala spoko. Like, that is so cool. I like that. And I also have words of advice. I was talking to my husband. I'm like, what can I use? You know, <laughs> and then I, I thought of this um, this phrase that we unfortunately have to say a lot uh, in our family. So this phrase, <laughs> <laughs> this phrase is. <laughs> Do vesela she zagoi. Do vesela. Do vesela. She. She. Zagoi. Zagoi. Vesela she zagoi, which means it will heal by the wedding. <laughs> which is used um, usually like if a kid like, you know, gets a bump, you're like, ah, do vesela she zagoi. Like 
don't worry, it'll be healed by your wedding. But I have another story because my <laughs> my sister-in-law was getting married in Florida. It was a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. And we got an Airbnb and we're like, okay, cool. Like, and then um, there's the Lanai, which is that like indoor pool, indoor outdoor pool type thing that everybody has in Florida, mm-hmm. which is a word I learned in my 30s. <laughs> I learned and, that from Golden Girls. Oh my God. Why did I? I love Golden Girls. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> Never paid attention to it then. It wasn't relevant to my life. But um, <laughs> so my husband went to go swimming and he dove in the pool and scraped up his nose, of course, because it's, you know, it's Florida. They have like the concrete pools. Mm. They don't need the pool liners like we have here. Right, right. And we were all like, don't because the wedding was tomorrow and it clearly oh, no. was not going to heal. And oh, like, no. It was like a sarcastic. <laughs> oh, no. But I also have to say it a lot to my kids because they're just clumsy and yeah it's one that we use often that's a really funny saying I've never and it's heard very anything specific. like that exactly. yeah it's so it's, specific mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why I picked it I was like this is because many sayings exist in other languages like you know like the quesera sera like that exists in every language mm-hmm. um there's many things that I like to say you know like better like than never like that's one I use um because I'm always late but like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this one is like specifically Polish and right. there's so many good Polish jokes. So I just can't tell them. I'm just, I'm not Polish. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's okay. Before I let you go, do not think about this. Oh, I know you're, you're probably going to think about I it. I already know what you're going to ask. <laughs> but you know what I'm going to say? Don't think about it. But okay. between French and Polish, first one that comes to your mind after we've been talking for all this time, what is the best way to say goodbye? Okay. So make it easy. Papa means bye in Polish. It's like bye bye. Papa? Papa. Oh, wow. Which is really funny with French because that means, you know, father, like right. daddy. Right. So like when they hear me speaking French and they, um, the kids, when they were first getting into French and their dad was leaving for work, they would say, Papa, Papa. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they were playing with the languages <laughs> that way. It was very cute. Yeah. So instead of saying Papa, Tata, Tata is father or daddy. Mm-hmm. So they were doing the pop 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 I love that. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heather, Papa. Papa. Thank you. Merci. <laughs> Thank you again. And I'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.